0: <laughs> hey. Okay, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's a lot better than a boo. Uh, so, my name is Jose, and I know some of you because I met a few of you who've decided to come and join or at least explore our church over the last two months. I've been a part of it since the beginning, and uh, we're thrilled to be back. Our family was gifted a, uh, a sabbatical. That means every seven years, everyone who's full-time on our staff is given the grace of extra time on top of vacation to stop and pause and reflect and have joy. And uh, I should have had it three years ago, but there was a small pandemic that shut the world down, and so we were finally able to enjoy that. And I've been preaching full-time for 28 years and have never had—I know, I look a lot um, (laughs) younger—but 28 years, and I've never had a season— where I didn't have a deadline. Like it's always about, even on vacation, when I'm getting back, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. So there's always something to prepare, always something to think about. And uh, for the first time in my adult life, I had the margin to just think about food <laughs> endlessly. And, and it, was, it was glorious, it was glorious. And to chime in, those of you watching online, I was able to join your family for the last uh, few weeks and months and being able just to keep up on the life of our church digitally, which I'm on this end of the camera, so I, I never get to enjoy the other end, so thank you, and I realized, wow, you really do see close-ups, and that's, uh, it's frightening. We, uh, I turned 50 over the break. I know, you're a little surprised. Yes, I don't, I know, I don't look a day over 49, I'm, I'm, uh, but, but that was exciting to be with family and friends, and a family gifted us a spot in Jamaica, and then I had miles to get us to Hawaii, and so some of you have been watching my socials, I am not independently wealthy. We are not, but we were gifted and graced, all these little blessings from above, and it was wonderful, but one thing Carmen and I can attest to in our family, I realized how much we miss being here. It's like, that's what you you want, you hope for, but like, man, I love this other church. We visited a different church every week, and it was Wonderful in the Bible through different voices and the Spirit of God and different songs. Wonderful, wonderful. But it's like there's no place like home, says Dorothy. And is yeah. that Dorothy? Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. So um that was really good. All right, so <laughs> enough of that. But I, I figured maybe someone wanted to know what we did. We're back and re-energized and, and ready for all God has in store. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Um, we're, we're living in a, a, a different world. I almost want to say that a pandemic is behind us, but I've learned don't be foolish and make predictions. My goal this year was to make no predictions. But I guess since it's almost the end of the year, the fall's going to be okay, right? And as we move towards a post-pandemic life and we think about what it means for us to follow Jesus, I hope your expector is up your expector. That's the part of you that believes that life can be different than it is right now. That believes that hope is stronger than fear. That believes that if Jesus is real, anything's possible. Hopefully your expector, which has been doused with doubt and negativity for three years, hopefully your expector is emerging. And so what I want us to do is We're going to go through a lot of transition in that today is the last message in this series, Encountering Jesus, and we're going to transition to another series that's going to take four weeks called Turning Point, because we've had to learn to navigate change and what happens when something unexpected happens, and the Bible is filled with all sorts of transitions, so we're going to take four weeks and look at transitions in the Bible that will help us know how to encounter God afresh even when negative things happen. It's going to be super exciting. you got to show up to figure it out. And then we're going to launch into a long, slow, healthy conversation on the Holy Spirit. Because as you read the Bible, you realize that in light of the resurrection of Jesus Something has happened, not just in the world, but in God's people that ought to fuel them to live the Jesus life. And so, uh, although probably everyone here has heard the phrase Holy Spirit, I think some of us may have some misconceptions, misunderstandings, or just missing space. The Holy Spirit is talked about infrequently sometimes in the church, and so what we wanna do is just ground ourselves in the Bible and God's promise. So, this today is the transition towards that because we're gonna read, if you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter one, and we're gonna read about the event before the coming or the sending of the Holy Spirit. And it's Jesus' last moments on earth. The end of the Gospels hint at it, but Luke, who writes a Gospel, Gospel of Luke, and then finishes with part two in Acts, He gives us the clear historical evidence of of how did Jesus' human life on earth, how did it come to an end, and what was to come. And in our series on the Holy Spirit, coming when the community groups begin, we'll pick up on this life that Jesus is hinting at. All right, Acts chapter 1, start in verse 1, we'll go through verse 11. And by the way, a couple of minutes in, I was a little nervous that I forgot how to preach, but I, I think I think I still got the goods. I, I literally I feel like I could still do this. All right. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was. Alive, And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, quote, Do not leave Jerusalem, which is where they were, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, end quote. So then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know. The times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then this interesting line verse 9. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. Just need to pause and try to visualize that. He's talking to them. And then before their very eyes he's gone. And a cloud hid him From their sight, so they were looking intently up to the sky as he was going. Kind of duh. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, "Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who had been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven." Okay. That's a lot, but I want us just to see the scene. And then I want us to think, because this is culminating all we've been talking about, the goal of this series is to see Jesus and encounter him, all right? So a couple of weeks ago, Stephen helped us to realize that there was a shift. There was a plot surprise. Jesus' death was a shock. And then there's a plot twist, the resurrection. Uh, this human, Jesus, that they saw as a teacher, a rabbi, worth giving their life to and following, rises from the grave. He can walk through walls, yet he can eat bread and fish. He's breathing human oxygen, but he's not alive in the same sense you and I are. He's experienced Jesus' resurrection. And that is a plot twist for everyone. And and we didn't see it going in that direction, and God surprises us, right? Right? But not everyone believes the surprise. And last week, I think Stephen just did an amazing job at helping us navigate the encounter with Thomas, who's not doubting Thomas. He's human Thomas. And humans have doubts about things they haven't seen. So Thomas hasn't seen Jesus. And by the way, neither of you. Yet if you believe in him, you've worked through your honest doubts. And so what do we do with our doubt? We don't stuff it. We don't ignore it. We don't hide it we bring it to the family of God. Alpha is one of those spaces for you to bring your honest doubts and no one is gonna look down. As a matter of fact, the secret if you join Alpha is no one's gonna tell you what to believe and no one's gonna tell you that your perspective is wrong. What we're gonna do is we're gonna see the truth from God's word presented and then you get to chime in on why you're unconvinced and have honest dialogue about things that matter. And this is, this is Jesus convincing Thomas. So no one here in this church is trying to convince you. Here's why. Because Jesus is convincing. Amen. And if Jesus is real, he can convince you of himself. I don't have to convince you. What I can do is, and the disciples who saw Jesus, they just shared what they experienced. They shared what they saw and heard. And then Thomas encounters Jesus. And that's our prayer for you, that you would encounter jesus but but that that's where we were it ends though if you're new to church honestly with a bizarre event this is bizarre (laughs) jesus standing there talking to his friends saying the promised holy spirit remember john the baptist baptized for repentance but john the baptist said someone who's greater than me which is speaking of jesus is going to baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire and that was mysterious and it's still mysterious But Jesus says it's about to happen. And then he disappears. And this is weird. So the question is, and we're going to look at two questions this morning, and we're going to look at them in turn because they're honest questions. What are we supposed to see? So, why does the end of the life of Jesus end with him rising above and these two men dressed in white? Are they angels? Whatever they are, they're not just a couple of guys who show up with white outfits, they're obviously sent from heaven to explain what is it that we're supposed to see, and then in light of what we're supposed to see, what does it actually mean? Like the ascension of Jesus, the the rising of Jesus, what's the point in the plot line, and where does it fit with Jesus' mission? And if we're his followers in 2022, what impact should the rising of Jesus and the statement from these two dressed in white, how should that impact our world. All right, three things I want us to see to answer the first question. What are we supposed to see? And let's just look at it really quickly. For those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, none of this will be a surprise, but I don't want to assume anything. Some of you, this may be new. Like, yeah, what is it supposed to mean? Number one, write this down. Jesus promised to prepare a place for us. The the rising, the ascension of Jesus Is in light of what Jesus taught, John 14. He told his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, trust also in me. My Father's house, the place where God dwells, heaven, has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for who? You. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And so that's exactly what we see in Acts 1. Jesus goes back to the presence of the Father to prepare a place for us. And this is good news. Jesus actually left. He's not hiding in Vernonia. He's not like, you know, post-garlic festival. I'm going to appear in all my glory and here I am. No, Jesus is in the presence of the Father preparing. Look at this. Preparing for your visit. And this life will end if we go before Jesus returns. Either way, at the end of this life for the follower of Jesus is true life, which is life with Jesus forever. So whether I go to be with him or he returns to establish and bring his good rule back to this earth, it's what we call a win-win a win-win and and this is the hope of the ascension of jesus is what he taught he did and he's going there to prepare a place this is good news So the half convinced okay so you're like okay i don't get it all right number two write this down jesus finished the work to bring us back to god the, the second thing we see in the The rising, the ascension of Jesus is he finished the work. He goes back to the presence of the Father and he's now ruling. Another writer later, the writer of Hebrews, puts it this way. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. By the way, this is every religion, this is every attempt outside of the good news of Jesus. We're trying to get right with God. We're doing what we know. We're doing the right. We're avoiding the wrong. We're, we're climbing. We're attempting. We're searching. God, God, will you bring an unclean or a broken person into your whole and beautiful presence? But, verse 12, when this priest, speaking of Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, that's the cross, he sat down, at the right hand of God. And that's what you see in the ascension. He sits down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. God is reigning. The sun is reigning. And God knows the appointed time when he's going to make this world new. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made Holy, I know that's long, I know that could sound very obscure, but the the picture ought to resonate. Not only is Jesus preparing a place for you, Jesus did everything to bring us back to God. And so now, the only thing I need to do to be made right with God is to receive Jesus Christ. That's good news! I don't climb, I don't do, I don't promise, I don't make up for, I don't... Plead, I simply receive. The high priest, Jesus Christ, did the work. It is finished. Sin has been paid for. Jesus is enough. He's risen. People saw him. He spoke to them. He rose and ascended. And he said, Until I return, boys and girls, share this good news. Anyone, anywhere can become a child of God. Man, this is worth getting up for. This is worth, by the way, giving your entire life to. Jesus is worth it because he's preparing a place and he's already done the work to get me there. It's not what I can do to be made right with God. That is not good news because I fall short. But Jesus is enough. And if I'm clinging to Jesus and holding on and trusting him, He's going to get me there. Man, this is good news. And by the way, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is the hope that we hope you'll grow in and begin to share more frequently. Do you know what? People have been inundated with negativity. And I think there ought to be, where we live, a group of people who are unashamed to say, but there's a better way, and it's in Jesus. And there's a bigger hope, it's in Jesus. And there is a brighter future, And it's because of Jesus. And and by the way, we want to be those people. Our, Our vision and mission has not changed in the 10 years of our church. We're here about helping people experience life in Jesus. And he's amazing, therefore he's worth following. Okay, that's the second thing. The third thing that I think we're supposed to see, and the reason that Luke includes it, is Jesus is now interceding for us. As he prepares for his return. So he goes up and he says he's going to return. And the messengers remind them, why are you looking to the sky? This same Jesus is going to return. But what is he doing until then? Romans eight thirty four is a helpful clarifier. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life. Notice is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. What a churchy word, interceding. What does it mean? The concept here is looking after someone else's interests. Someone who's there in the middle looking after your interests, advocating for you, thinking about you and trying to resource you. And, And this is good news. Jesus sees everybody you know, what? one of the sad things about being gone for a couple of months is I've already begun to hear a couple of things that have happened in a couple of people's lives that our team was kind enough not to tell me, uh, not because they didn't think I wouldn't care, but they're like, Jose, just stay away and just enjoy, right? But life goes on. And for two months, I had no idea what was going on in your world, but Jesus has seen every moment of your life. I want you to think about that. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's above all, and he knows what you're going through. Some of you are timing it. How long is it gonna take for this boy to cry? Because it just, it just genuinely happens. But I get swept up, because like, when things are true and real, I get caught up in it. I also cry at a good brownie and ice cream. So, so don't, like, it's not just spiritual. It's, I was like, that meal was so good. But, um, but Jesus sees, he sees what you're going through. And he knows the details. And he doesn't just see, because that seems like, well, why follow Jesus? Doesn't he know what I've gone through? He's actually looking at your interests and advocating, working for your good. If you're one of his followers, if you're one of his children, he's working for your good, even when you don't see it. Now that's the faith part. Men of Galilee, why are you looking up? Jesus is ruling. Go do his work. He actually cares about you. And that's good news. Even in the darkest hour, your friends will fail you. Your church family will fail you. It's a matter of time because we're all human. We're all limited. When I'm out of sight, I don't know what's going on in your world, but the advocate, Jesus, he is looking after you. Okay, those are the three things. He promised a place for us. He completed the work and he's now interceding. So that's the why we get this. But I think the more important, we could stop there and be done and have some tacos for lunch and and move on. But I think we, we would... We'd be missing something. Because let's ask the question so what? What does this mean for those who are following Jesus now? What did it mean for them? What did it mean for us? Uh, let me just read back Acts 1, verse 3. If you have your Bible, it won't be back on the screen. It says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs he was alive. And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And I don't want you to notice a phrase he spoke about the kingdom of God. This is going to come up again and again and again. We're in our long series on the person of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the movement of the Holy Spirit, and the activity of the Holy Spirit in our world. What we're going to realize is Jesus was speaking about something specific. He's talking about the kingdom of God. What is, this is a churchy thing, what is the kingdom of God? Write this down. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules. Now I want to give us three things we would need to remember about the kingdom of God. So write those down in a moment, but I want us to sit here for a second. The king, when Jesus is teaching, he's teaching us about the place where God rules. And like, okay, question, Jose. I thought God was over everything. And the answer is absolutely true. God is overall, He's a creator. Everything, everyone else is creation. There's only one who's always was and always will be, and that is God alone. And he makes everything, right? So God is sovereign. He is above. He is king over all. He is the creator. No one else is like him. But let me just ask you, is everything that's been created willingly following the God who made them? No. So Jesus is teaching them about the place and the people where God rules. Satan and demons are not following God. They're trying to set up an alternate to the kingdom of God. The place where God is leading and his creation is coming under his good, loving care and walking in his ways. And Jesus announces, and this is the the mind blow. Jesus, when he's teaching all throughout the gospels, he is announcing the good rule of God. The place where God rules is in me. And if you want to be led by God, follow me. Jesus is the place where God's rule comes to earth. And so when we follow Jesus, we are in the space where, yes, there are Satan and demons working against. And then there are people. Many people are not following Jesus. And they're not living under God's good rule. They're, They're resisting And so Jesus announces that the way God's good rule is going to come into the lives of human beings, and I know this is so basic, but this is so important. If you miss this, you miss everything. It's in and through the person of Jesus. And so until I accept what Jesus did for me, I'm not in the kingdom of God. I know about it. I see the evidence of God working. God loves everyone and he's working in everyone's life. But the deepest work he wants to do is to first give you a new heart, new mind, new life. How does it happen? Through Jesus. And so it is not, it is not being prideful, arrogant, narrow-minded to say that Jesus is the way, truth, and life. It's just reality. Why is it this way? I don't know, but God has decided to put all of his work in his son, Jesus, so whoever has Jesus has experienced eternal life. Whoever does not have Jesus can, but has not yet, experience life under the good, loving rule of God. Are you with me? This is why we invite people to follow Jesus all the time. I know some of you are like, Jose, we had a nice, good break Because it seems like every time you get up there, all you want people to do is follow Jesus. And let me give you the secret. Every message is going the same direction. Because in order to live the way God intended is not a mystery. It is in and through Jesus. And when we experience life in him, not because we're great, but because God is great, not because we have it together, because Jesus is all together, then we can share with the world that they're one step away. Because God already loves them, and he already sent son. Cry round two. But this is, this, man, this is just good news. I'm, I'm having my own party. All right, so, so, okay, here's three things I just want you to see. Uh, I'm gonna pick up on this in the series on the Holy Spirit about the kingdom of God, the place where God is ruling and leading and his people, his creation are not resisting. Three things that you need to see. And if you're a follower of Jesus, these three things have already happened to you, but here's what I'm praying, that they'll increase in your life. They're already happening. You may not see the evidence. You may not even know it. But like I was on the beach a lot, and a lot, a lot. And I didn't realize how reddish and then tannish I was getting because when you're just slowly baking, you just, you know, like, it's the people who go out with no sunscreen who are pale, who are obviously lobsterized, and they realize, like, wow, the kingdom of the sun has come to them. But when you're just laying on the beach day after day, you don't even realize, like, oh, man, that shirt looks better on me. You know, like, it's slowly happening. So what I'm saying is these things about the kingdom of God, God's loving rule, they're already happening in your life. You may not see it. Others may see it more than you do. But we're going to pray that they will increase. The first thing you need to know is the kingdom of God is powerful. You can't say powerful in a weak way, right? You got to, they will receive power. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now the word power here is the word dunamis, And you could translate this word, you will receive might, you will receive strength, you will receive force, you will receive capability. Something will really happen when you receive the Spirit. And this is good news. The Holy Spirit is going to work in ways in God's people, in you and I, in our lives, in the same way that he worked in Jesus. And so Luke, if you read the Gospel of Luke and then read Acts, part one, part two, what you're going to see is a direct parallel, the very powerful things that Jesus was doing. I'm just going to read a couple because I don't want you to think I'm making this up. Luke 5.17, you don't even need to see it. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. The dunamis of the Lord was with Jesus. Another one, Luke 6.19, the people all tried to touch Jesus because... Dunamis, power, was coming from him and healing them all. Luke 9, one, when Jesus called his 12 together, this is going to blow your mind, he gave them dunamis and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God. heal the sick i just want you to notice now some of that is like oh time out here whoa 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 i I want the donuts i want the music what we need to remember is that the good loving care of god in and through jesus is powerful it really is life-changing and it's not just ethereal And it's not just eternal, and it's not just in the future. It happens to be in the now, which is why, you Bible nerds, the word power, dunamis, is very close to the word miracle, which is dunamis. And they share the same root word. So power and miracle share the same root, and this shouldn't be a surprise to us. Life is about growing in knowledge. If you don't know what God is like, if you don't know the way of Jesus, how can you follow him? And so Jesus said, follow me, and I'll become your rabbi, I'll become your teacher, and I'll show you the way to live that most honors God and brings you the greatest soul satisfaction. There's nothing more pleasing in your life. There's no greater joy in your life. There's no greater um, excitement in your life to know that you're right with God and you're actually following his direction. It's the best way to live. Yet at the same token, life is about encountering God. By the way, the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can't see it, but you experienced a miracle. You were dead in your stumblings and in your sin and in your rebellion, but you have been made alive with Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead. You accepted him. You rose from the dead. Not physical death, but a death and a disconnection with the God who loves you. And now you can enter the most holy place you can meet with God. This is, this is crazy. This is good news. And by the way, this is not theory. This is power. Following Jesus Is about experiencing the life-changing power of God that can transform anything. If Jesus rose from the dead, then anything is possible. The kingdom of God is powerful. I think you get the point. Second thing, the kingdom of God is gradual. Now, this is the counterbalance because yes, the kingdom of God is powerful, but notice what he says in verse six. Then they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. God, are you going to take care of all of it now? Is this, is this it, in a moment? And Jesus says, none of your business. This is, this, is, this is beyond your pay grade. Here's what you know. You're going to receive power and the Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Some of us think that everything's going to happen in a moment. No, something happens in a moment, but the kingdom of God is like a seed. And Jesus used parables all the time. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like a seed. It's like a mustard seed. You put it into the ground and then nothing happens for a while but there's power going on under the surface. It's really happening. You just can't see it yet. And then it sprouts out of the ground and then you get more than you planted and that's what it's like to follow Jesus. The good rule of God, the place where God dwells, when God dwells in your life, you will receive power. God is working in you whether you know it or not. He's working through you whether you know it or not. It's really happening. It's not just theory. And it doesn't happen in a moment. And some of us get frustrated because you're like, God, why am I still? And then fill in the blank. And he wants to remind you this morning, the kingdom of God is gradual. Yes, you're transformed in a moment. But you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is lifetime. And so here's the good thing. When you connect with Jesus and his people, you are in the place where God can activate transformation consistently, but it's gradual. And by the way, this is very helpful to give us perspective in the last two to three years of life. Right? The kingdom of God is growing. And you say like, well, man, I just feel like right right now in America, things are falling apart. And and maybe that's true in, in some parts. When you look at history, it may be happening. But then you take a step back and you realize... The kingdom of Jesus is growing worldwide. You just don't see it, and it may not be happening in your backyard, but it is growing, and it is moving, and some of the fastest growth of the church are in places outside of where we live, and so that should just drive us to pray, God, if you're doing it there, would you kindly do it here? So we're kingdom people who don't live jealously because something Exciting is happening over there. You're like, wow, Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you for doing it there, because the third principle you need to see and I need to see to remember, and it's going to be a setup for how we live in light of the Holy Spirit, is that the kingdom of God is global. Jesus said, uh, tells them where to go. He says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And those of you who know the geography of the Holy Land, they were in Jerusalem. He's like, just keep going, keep moving, and. And the book of Acts gives us about a 30-plus year time span of of history of them doing that very thing. So by the end of the book of Acts, Rome was seen as the end of the earth. It was the centerpiece of all of human history in their day. And the gospel makes its way to Rome. So in their generation, their known world, the good news spread everywhere. And, And here's the good news. God wants to use us to be a part of the big thing that he's doing around the world, not just in Hillsboro or in Beaverton or in Portland or Forest Grove or Cornelius or wherever you're living, but he's thinking beyond, he's actually thinking downtown, which in some senses might be a mess. But he's thinking of that, he's thinking of the east side. He loves Oregon, but he also cares about Washington a little bit and, and, and Idaho's on his mind and California, 50-50, I don't know. <laughs> He cares about everyone. And so what he's doing is he's moving us. He's moving and it's not just about us. So so what Jesus hints to his disciples is I'm going to send you some places you may not want to go. So I hope you're ready because our conversation about following God the Holy Spirit is not just about being comfortable and about Jesus giving you the best maximized experience of your life because frankly life's not about you you're not that important now you matter to God you're made in the image of Jesus and he loves you deeply but just don't think that you're the center of the universe I'm not we're not we're part of God's great plan and we're some of his kids but we're not the only kids And so we are a church that since day one is committed to the global movement of King Jesus. And we spend a lot of energy and investment outside of these walls and in these walls in our city and in other cities because Jesus is about saving everyone everywhere. And if that's his plan, guess what? I want to join his plan. I'm not asking Jesus to follow my flawed plan. And this is what the kingdom of God is like. All right, so let's just... Reread the end and let's respond with worship. Verse 10, we'll put it on the screen. They were, the disciples, looking intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who, you've been, who had been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go in." To heaven, Jesus died and rose again. This is the good news. Jesus ascended to the presence of the Father where he's seated and he's interceding and caring for you presently right now. But don't miss the end. He's going to return. He's going to return. And the question is, will, will, be, will we be there standing, looking, staring, or will Jesus find us faithfully partnering, working doing our part until his return. This is why we need one another, to stir one another towards good deeds. There are good deeds God is planning for you in these next few months and years. God's orchestrating them. God's aligning things. God's moving. God's pulling away. You may be confused. He's not. And he's, he's preparing these beautiful things for you to be involved in. The question is, are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to take the risks that Jesus invites you to to step into? Are you going to follow him now? Uh, we, We want to respond with yes. I pray for us as we step into the fall together. It's great for us. Our year as a church goes from the fall, September school year, to the spring. And then everyone evacuates for the summer and hikes. So we're we're launching, like every school is looking at the curriculum, looking at the plan, looking at the goals. We're now inviting you, I'm inviting myself to step in and learn how to say yes to whatever Jesus is saying. And so will you take steps of yes? The disciples are stunned and the men say, hey, it's time to move. Jesus is going to return and is giving you work to do. Will you go do it now? And I think the same could be said for us. Are are we willing to step in? I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't have to, God, the Holy Spirit does. And so i want to invite you. A couple of things that you could do in response. We're gonna do them together, you could do them at home as well. Um, We wanna say yes to Jesus. Today, if you've heard his voice, if you've heard Jesus in a fresh way and you know you're not following him, or or maybe you, you did for a long time, But somehow, before the pandemic, during now, your life is out of alignment with Jesus. Then just come back. And so I'm going to invite you, if you know this morning, that you need to be made right with God to receive and trust the Lord Jesus Christ to make you whole and to turn you around and transform you. I'm going to invite you, when we get up, and we're all going to take communion in a few moments, I'm going to invite you to get up, and I'm going to invite you to make your way to our prayer team at the back to the back towards towards the right here in the building towards the left as you're walking towards them and i'm going to invite you to pray with one of our friends and simply say today i want to follow jesus if you're taking that step anew we're going to invite you to take the next step in a few weeks to be baptized in water as your way of saying to the whole church and the world i belong to jesus but take the first step follow jesus today make sense if that's you don't be ashamed everyone needs to start the race just start the race just get going Or get re-entered into the race. If you've fallen away, come back. Okay, that's the first response. The second response is to remember Jesus. We do this week in and week out. We go to the table and we pick up the bread and the cup. And it's the reminder: Jesus died and rose again out of his love for me. And I receive God's love. And there's never a day I don't need to receive God's love. So today, if you hear his voice, receive his love. Take the bread, take the cup, and remember Jesus loves us and he wants to transform us. So I'm gonna invite you, when you go out today, don't wait for anyone else, okay? Each week we nuance it a little bit. Go take the bread, take the cup, and when you're ready, come back as an act of worship. Say, Jesus, I remember you. We respond with generosity. Uh, We give liberally to God's kingdom work. Why? It matters. And resources push the message of Jesus out to the ends of the earth and here as well and so I'm going to invite you to live radically generous to Jesus why everything comes from him and he deserves it all and what he asks for a portion a portion not haphazardly intentionally set it aside and release it as faith to Jesus say thank you for providing for me I want to see what you want to do King Jesus I want to see it happen on earth give liberally for most of us it's online There's a bowl in the back if you'd like to give here as well. And then we sing, because the King is worth our worship. So I'm going to invite you to stand, if you would. And um, if you're at home, grab the bread and the cup. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to release you to the tables. And when you go, if you need to respond in faith to Jesus, make your way straight to our friends in the prayer area, and take care of that now Uh, at home. I want you just to, as the worship is happening, say a prayer of thanksgiving for what Christ has done for you and receive the bread and the cup. And the rest of you, when you go, go take it. If you're here with your family, if you want to take it together, if you want to take it at the end of the song, middle, you decide. Lord, we thank you that you've already done all that we need to be made right with you. Now we want to be your made right people who are participating with you in the thing you're doing here on planet Earth. Lord, we invite you, to use us in ways we've never been used before. We invite you to push us and transform us and challenge us in ways we've never experienced before. Why? We want to become closer and closer followers of you because you have the words of life. And so God, take us on that next step. Even today, push us in that direction, we pray. In Jesus' beautiful name, the whole church said, amen.